Well, quite big moves in bond yields as markets start to believe central banks when they say they won't be cutting anytime soon. Perhaps the assumption was that they'd cut because they had to, because the economy might be slowing, but no real sign of that in the United States, so no rush. In fact, in the UK, inflation rebounded a little, and that sent yields way higher there. And when it comes to rate hikes, NAB has been saying that the RBA has one more in them. Well, a change of tune on that. Stay tuned. It's Thursday, the 18th of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar, it was up earlier, but it is pretty flat now. The Aussie dollar, though, is down half a percent to 65.5 US cents. The euro, pretty flat. But the pound is up a third of one percent. Perhaps the inflation number has a bit to do with that. It went up yesterday. Added to that, UK 10-year gilts are up 19 basis points. The FTSE 100 is down one and a half percent. But shares are down generally, with a 0.6 percent fall in the NASDAQ. Uh, It was down twice as much as that not so long ago. The S&P closed down 0.6 0.6% and a quarter percent lower for the Dow at the market close. The Russell 2000 down three quarters of 1%. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 is also down 1%. The DAX down 0.8%. On the bond markets, well, it's not just UK yields that are rising. Ten-year treasuries are up five basis points to 4.1%. Two years are up to four and a quarter percent now. Ten-year bonds in Germany are up six basis points. And Aussie 10 years yesterday rose six basis points to 4.21%. Now they're up to 4.3% on futures. So quite a move all around. And oil is down. Brent was down more than 1% not so long ago, but that's climbed back. It's still down, but just over 0.3% at around 78 a barrel. And WTI is down 0.6%. So NAB's Ken Crompton joins us uh, from Sydney this morning. Uh, Ken, I'm calling today's episode Pricing for Procrastination because uh, it seems nobody is expecting rate cuts anytime soon. They're getting more used to that idea as each day passes. I think the odds of a March rate cut by the Fed are now down to to about 50%, down from about 80% on Friday. So it has moved fairly swiftly, hasn't it? Yeah, good morning, Phil. Um, That's right, down to about 13 points of cuts price for the Fed for March. Um, Yeah, look, I'd argue, all else being equal, that's probably still a slight, slight level of irrational exuberance there. But, um, <laughs> but still, um, between you know, sort of the the warning delivered by, uh, you know, by by Fed Governor Waller yesterday, that's been followed through by some um, data that certainly points in the direction of mm. rate cuts being further off into the distance, and the market is, is is pricing at face value. So I think that the move is um, the, the move is pretty sensible. Yeah. Well, he did say the economy is doing well, so what's the rush? And then we saw the retail numbers, uh, which sort of added to that, didn't they? I mean, just supporting his case. So up 0.6% in December, that's on top of a 0.3% rise in November. So well above expectations. And it was Christmas, of course, but, you know, it put paid to the idea that maybe we'd see numbers fall in December because people had brought forward their shopping to to the sales in November doesn't look like that happened. Yeah, that seems to be at face value what the what the interpretation should be, and even um, even at sort of some of the the more sort of closely defined um, measures of of core retail sales, including that that um, control group number that goes through to GDP, a big beat a big beat there as well. I think that at um, yeah, sort of 05 percent for the month, so very broad based strength across across US consumption, and just sort of adding to a to a pile of sort of relatively strong data that, that came out globally. Overnight, I mean, another thing in there as well, bit of a not not quite as um, sort of a short term impact as the retail sales, but yeah, the NHB housing index, quite a solid print there as well. Um, yeah. You know, coming in at um, you know, forty four points was expected from, to from be thirty seven, uh, a slight before, increase yeah. to thirty nine. So, mm. with um, with that coming through, that's. Um, 
you know, I mean, obviously, sentiment around rate cuts has been something that's probably been affecting, um, probably been affecting home builder sentiment. So I guess we're seeing some of that pull back a little bit, but I guess it's just a sign of, you know, that if there is hope of cuts on the horizon, there's a lot of latent strength there in the US economy, which does point to the question of how many cuts do you need if there is sort of a bunch of activity there ready and raring to go, um, if, there, if there is sort of just simply hope of cuts on the horizon. And industrial production and manufacturing both up a little bit as well, a bit more than more than expected. So, And we had a few Fed speakers overnight. I haven't really caught up with any of them. I, I guess, I'm not sure if they said anything new or interesting. Could be a very short answer to that question, but I'm sure they were <laughs> all towing the line. Uh, but Williams is talking soon after this podcast, rather inconveniently, isn't he? Yeah, so adding to the list of um, sort of Fed officials that have been on the wires, um, look, if he is doing anything other than pushing back once again on, on the odds of a March rate hike, you know, I'd... Um, I'd be very surprised. So, mm. you know, we've seen a pretty consistent hymn yeah. sheet across you know, sort of all central bank officials in the past couple of days on um, yeah, on that front, um, you know, including out of, sort of some of the ECB officials overnight as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Christine Lagarde. Let's, let's come on to that in a second. The other, the other thing, just finishing off on the US, the Beige Book, rather inconveniently, uh, is coming out just after we finish this podcast. But, I mean, looking at everything else, it should be a slightly rosy Beige bush, the bush, uh, Book this time around, shouldn't it? Uh, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, that gives us a bit, bit of a breakdown, regional breakdown. So we'll, we'll see how widespread this more positive outlook is. Uh, but look, UK's inflation, that was the surprise. I mentioned the changes we've seen uh, in UK bond yields in the uh, in, in the stock exchange there in the the value of the pound uh, it came in in December it's gone from 3.9% to 4% it was expected to go down to 3.8% uh, but actually, for all good reasons, it seems like people are having a good time. So tobacco went up, uh, so did alcohol and entertainment, things like concert tickets. That was a chunk of what has been driving it. But look, quite a market reaction to that number. Yeah. I mean, the, the overall sort of take on those numbers, they've certainly come in well ahead of um, sort of the, the immediate consensus forecasts. But, you know, sort of looking back to the BOE's own sort of official, latest official numbers, which, which admittedly date back to November, so their number is a little bit old. You've sort of, you've still managed to comfortably beat some of those some of those figures so it's sort of a bit of a mixed mm. bag in the sense of what it may or, or may not mean for the um, you know for the BOE in in that sense but um, yeah there was certainly some volatile components there here some of the entertainment measures as you've said you know airfares as well I think were a lot like we've seen in nearly um, you know nearly every um, sort of CPI print that's been out lately a bit of volatility there as well so I mean looking in particular at the services measure I think there's um, there's probably you know, that's sort of something we've been sort of banging the drum about globally but um, but once again you've seen um, sort of a bit of latent strength there in the in the services measure I think uh, you know 6.4 percent year on year coming I mean, that was actually a little bit stronger than, than consensus as well but I mean that's probably mm. the most notable part of these um, we've, you know, we've got some volatility in, in goods which depending on where you are in the world is going different ways um, at the moment but sort of the core services or, or services measures in general are still going to be a little bit of concern I mean looking through what um, what sort of Gavin's view was post the Number. I mean, he's sort of been oscillating between, um, you know, whether the BOE is sort of cutting you know, late, Q, late, late Q2 or late Q3, and obviously, you know, with this number in play, 
um, you know, if there's any persistence there, then that probably does um, probably does tip you back towards something a bit later in that window yeah. as being the optimum time when, when, when the BOE could possibly look to cut rates. Well, the headline rate could come down a bit uh, helped by energy because in, in April, because that's uh, when they cut the uh, energy price cap, it's cap, it's expected to fall by 13% and then a further fall in June as well. So that'll have a, an impact on bringing inflation down, you would have thought, for that headline number. Look, yeah. hot on the heels of UK CPI, Christine Lagarde from the ECB. Uh, yeah, as you were saying, you know, talking about interest rates, uh, not going to come down in summer. Uh, they are going to come down in summer, I should say, at the earliest, not in spring. So middle of the year, uh, she said market expectations have cut sooner than that were not particularly helpful. So back off, basically, is what she was saying. Yeah, once again, yeah, pretty consistent hymn sheet there with, um, with sort of her, some mm. of her fellow officials. I mean, except for um, the gentleman was, was I think it was Nagel yesterday who was or, or on um, on Tuesday yeah. who was saying that you shouldn't even think about rate cuts this year at all but you know sort of clearly the the sentiment is 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 there that I'm looking for rate cuts soon is um is going to be is going to be disappointed I mean the reality is that um you know the, the way that financial markets work and the way that yield curves work in general it's a bit hard to have binary steps down you know sort of six months out without having some sort of smooth curve in the meantime so um there's sort of a bit of a couple of different sort of opposing forces at, at play there between just how, how how markets trade and how curves work versus what a pure expectations number is but um yeah but i guess as as we've seen you know uk cpi us activity is still pretty yeah. strong um you know in in general is there a calamitous event out there that's sort of really p- pointing to the need for for rapid rate cuts in march you know, anywhere you know, not, not no not really so well i mean yeah. you look i mean you know it's all looking a bit goldilocks isn't it i mean we've got uh, prices falling as well if you want to see signs of that raw materials for canada down five percent in december producer prices generally down one and a half percent for the month twice the expected fall we've got u.s export prices down 0.9 percent again for the month same as it was in november so you know looking at all of that we've got demand holding up prices coming down that's all very goldilocks isn't it yeah i mean does, does that sound like a world where we're going to need um sort of a, you know, very, very rapid rate cuts over the course of the, the next you know the next few months it, it doesn't really sound like it at this point you know things can change um but you know the other possibilities and there's been a lot of discussion out there about where neutral cash rates sit post um post pandemic we're not necessarily a believer that it's moved up dramatically but maybe it is a little higher and maybe activity can be sustained around around these levels with with rates a bit higher than they used to be so either way that sort of still leaves us in general where we are looking for rate cuts which to be fair is you know pretty much pretty much everywhere at some point by late this year um that's more of a, a real rate, a real rate adjustment than, um, than than looking for sort of stimulatory cuts to to keep, to keep activity keep activity churning. We're sort of expecting that side of things to hold up by itself, and we will just tune the real rate to um, you know, to match, which is certainly the the scenario that um, yeah, the, the Governor Waller sort of outlined yesterday, and what most other central bank officials are, are pointing to. That we're you know, as inflation comes off, we're just adjusting real rates. We're not um, trying to outright outright stimulate. Well, uh, talking about where the rates are or where they're going to head, uh, NAB has changed its position, hasn't it? Uh, we, we've been talking about you know the chance of a rate hike by the uh, by the RBA at the next meeting. Now we're saying that's uh, that's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen in February. 
but we get employment numbers today. So uh, and we've got bond yields rising for whatever reason. So I mean, if we get a strong employment number today, I mean, that, does that mean that you know we could it could still be in play? Not maybe not for February, but is there a chance they could still rise again? There's always a chance. Um, is it our central case? Well, as, as of yesterday, you know, as you said, we have sort of officially revised our RBA forecast track, and yeah, I think we, we've now landed that the central case for Feb is going to be no no move. I mean, the thing that we had been looking to underpin that really was that um, yeah that with um, with inflation, particularly services inflation, taking longer to, to tail off, we had thought that you know the RBA might want a little bit of extra insurance in their inflation forecasts by 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 having a you know. A, another rate hike in there um, that may help bring their cash rate profile back down towards the midpoint of the target band a little sooner. But um, but having gone through the monthly CPI numbers that we've gotten so far, having forecast uh, a, um, a Q1 CPI print that's out next week, that's something that, that's, that's going to sort of undershoot the, um, the RBA's most recent forecast. You know, we're looking for 0.8%. The RBA's implied number was closer to one. Um, you know, with inflation undershooting their own forecasts um, the way the global outlook is evolving on, on balance we think that the case for the February hike is, um, is, is is now very weak and yeah, we've taken that out of our profile I mean we're still looking for the RBA to stay on hold until November I mean if you're talking about risks around our forecast now we'd probably still argue that it's going to be you're going to that you're going to be seeing the cash rate still at um, you know 4.35 in December than you are seeing it lower than that would still be where we'd see the risks skewed Um yeah, so that's um, so that's sort of where we've landed. I mean, in terms of the data today, as you mentioned, yeah, we actually we actually are a little bit stronger um, on our on our pick for the labour force market than consensus. So we're looking for a thirty k thirty k change in employment. Uh, looking for the unemployment rate to to tick down a little bit to three point eight. So um, yeah, one. One reason for that is a bit of a, that surge in the unemployment rate last month was mostly on increase in participation rates. So that, yeah, the following month you often do tend to see that um, drop back a bit. So we need to see where where that lands. But um, yeah, but that would sort of certainly leave the Australian labour force outlook pretty consistent with um, with what we're seeing in terms of strength globally. But no, no uh, profound inflationary implications from any of that. No, no, no immediate sort of change in in expectations for our inflation outlook. So um, yeah, even when we do sort of get the next round of RBA forecast which will be coming up after the um with the S&P in in February you know we're sort of still expecting them to be looking for inflation to sort of just creep back down towards the target sort of into the you know a, a fair way into the future mm. so yeah, if they um, we expect them to be comfortable with right. that. Goldilocks uh, might be uh, living in the United States. She's uh, not made a trip to China, has she? I mean, GDP one uh, percent in Q four, down from one and a half percent growth the previous quarter. Uh, fixed asset investment marginally up, but retail sales year on year down from ten point one percent for November, down to seven point four percent. There's a real slowdown happening in China. Yeah, those um, the Q4 activity number, also that, that sort of late year activity numbers for for December, d- depending on exactly which you're looking at. Um, yeah, sort of a, a mixed bag, I suppose. I mean, you know, the interesting bit there, you know, industrial production actually did come in a little stronger than consensus. So, you know, six point eight year on year versus six point six. But anything with any sort of linkage to the consumer sector or the property sector, you know, very little um, you know, good news there at all. You know, property investment down, you know, sort of nine point six year on year. Which which was even um, even softer than already some pretty weak expectations. Property sales also pretty soft, so yeah. nothing new there in that sense. Prices and obviously, down. we've sort yeah. of we have seen continued yeah. headlines over the past week or so of um, sort of more property developers looking to to, to engage in debt restructuring, some more government 
some sort of lo- further low-key government fiscal support or sort of banks being obliged to, to offer support to the sector. But you can sort of see that the flow-on effects there in some of that activity data where, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, maybe to some extent, like like in Australia, consumer sentiment is linked to uh, to what your house price is doing or what or what you think it's doing. And, um, yeah, and yeah, so the households over there have been responding by increasing, increasing their long-term savings rather than spending. So... Um, yeah, sort of no mm. sort of insignificant change to that track, and I guess um, yeah, there has been sort of a lot of commentary over the over sort of the short to, to medium term history about how China is sort of trying to pivot away from this sort of property growth engine, and that, that's going to be ongoing, and that's going to take a while. It's a big tanker to turn around, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I guess probably partly to that point as well was some interesting, um, you know, a story that Tappers picked up and sent around to us yesterday was the the population Chinese population figures within their GDP numbers, you know, so their population was down, um, you know, 0.2% in 2023. And that was the, well, that was sort of a follow on from a decline in the previous year. And that was the sort of the first time since the early 60s. So, um, yeah, that sort of mm. pointed to some interesting things about sort of where the, um, the sort of the size of the retired population in China is going to go. And, um, you know, you're sort of looking at yeah. an increase of 400 million retirees in China over the next uh, over the next 10 to 12 years. So if you sort of think about you know, dependency <laughs> ratios and um, and savings rates and, and what that's going to mean, you know, those, those sort of numbers are, are quite material as well. So they don't sort of point to a sort of a hugely robust growth figure. Either, particularly if the, um, the 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 birth rate remains remains very low over there. Yeah, so get rid of the one child policy, and uh, your population starts to slow. I mean, maybe one child's an aspiration these days. Uh, look, we <laughs> get uh, more central bank speakers today. We've got uh, Christine Lagarde and Raphael Bostic both uh, talking on panels, different panels at the uh, World Economic Forum in Davos uh, early tomorrow morning. We've got the U.S. jobless claims, we've got the building permits, which I think you mentioned, and the housing starts as well. Uh, that is uh, just about it, apart from the Australian employment numbers. They're the big number today. Good talk uh, we'll catch you again very soon thanks ken thanks phil and that's the morning call for this thursday morning back again tomorrow morning in fact two tomorrow because we're back to the weekend edition uh, tomorrow afternoon talking about cryptocurrencies of all things so join me for both of those tomorrow morning i'm phil dobby for nab thanks for listening today